Welcome to the number one ranked show presented by Direct TV Stream. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the YouTubes. If you're there, hit that like and subscribe button. If you are not, leave a five-star review on the podcast. Really like doing this show, and I like to know that you like me doing this show. So let us know that you like us doing this show. Today we got to talk about these college football playoff rankings that came out on, well, November 16th. And how little moving and shaking there was, but what little moving and shaking that there was, we are going to talk about. But this is kind of the first letdown that we've had since these rankings come out. And yet, and still, I still have things to say, right? So, off the rip, Georgia at number one, we all agree on this, right? We know Georgia is the best team in college football today. They don't have another good opponent on their schedule until they get to the SEC championship game, where they are likely to face number two, Alabama, who, despite stumping a mud hole in a New Mexico State team that should have never been on their schedule to begin with, they still took an L this week. Why? Because Mississippi State snatched one from Auburn. They snatched a W out of Auburn, and Auburn's no longer, you know, in these rankings, and I think that's going to hurt any argument they might have if it comes to that in the Iron Bowl. Number three, we got Oregon. Number four, we got Ohio State. So it's nice to know that head-to-head matters for Oregon and Ohio State. Talk about that a little bit here in just a second, but I'm going to remind you. Oregon went to the shoe. Oregon went to the shoe without Kayvon Thibodeau. Oregon beat Ohio State without Kayvon Thibodeau at the shoe. All right? They're really good, and they deserve to be in this number three spot based on the committee's criteria, which also considers this thing like head-to-head. And when we do have a non-conference head-to-head, it should matter even more than a conference head-to-head because we don't get to see non-conference head-to-heads that matter that often. For instance, we thought that Georgia Clemson would matter this year. It certainly does not because Clemson is boo-boo, okay? Oregon, Ohio State, not boo-boo, even as they both have a loss. Of course, Oregon is to a bad Stanford team and Ohio State is to Oregon, for which many people would like to see an Ohio State ranked above an Oregon because they think, A, it's a better football team than what they played against Oregon. Well, Oregon wasn't that great when they played Ohio State to begin with. And then that you want to rank who lost to whom. So since Ohio State lost to a good Oregon and Oregon lost to a bad Stanford, you think that Ohio State should be ranked ahead of Oregon? What kind of mental gymnastics are we doing here, guys? That's what I'm saying here. And number five, we got Cincinnati, who was criminally underrated. And sticking to at least one core principle that these college football playoff selection committee has, we're just not going to rank a group of five team in our four-team playoff. Don't care. Doesn't matter, right? Now, I get to keep saying that because it hasn't happened. If it happens by the end of the year, we'll talk about it then. But we need to talk about these things as they lie. And as they lie, Cincinnati is one of two 10-0 teams in the top five. If you are looking at their resume, they got a top 10 win on the road against what everybody believes is a really good Notre Dame team. Matter of fact, a top 10 Notre Dame team. And yet, Cincinnati cannot get any respect from anybody at all. And now they got to play an SMU that ain't ranked, but probably should be because they're really good, especially offensively. And Cincinnati's bread and butter is its defense, right? I know that everybody wants to talk about Desmond Ritter because everybody wants to talk about quarterbacks. But he also didn't have Jerome Ford last week when they played South Florida, and they still put a hurting on a bad South Florida team like you would expect. I'm with Luke Fickle. There's only so much I can do, and being undefeated is all I can do. And you know how I feel about being undefeated. I think it should matter more than anything else because if winning was easy, we wouldn't have just three undefeated teams left 11, 12 weeks into the season of 130 teams. Winning has to matter. 
But like when I do my tiers, I'm basing it on what I think the college football playoff selection committee is going to do and what I think needs to actually be talked about. Those two things go into the tiers, which is why you'll see a UTSA next to an Alabama, for which we're going to talk about specifically here in just a little bit. Number six, number seven, we have our first. I can't stress this enough. Are you kidding? All right, so last week we thought it was just an error. And then Gary Barter told us, no, the CFP committee believes that Michigan's a better football than uh, Michigan. Uh, yes, Michigan's a better football team than Michigan State. To which the rest of us were going, wait a second. I watched the big noon game, along with 9 million other people, where Michigan State came back from 16 down to beat Michigan, 37-33. We all saw it. We saw Kenneth Walker III have a Heisman moment. We saw him run for more yards than his quarterback passed for against a doggone good Michigan defense. And yet and still, this committee has the audacity to gaslight us. Quite honestly, gaslight us to tell us that we are not seeing what we know we saw. I can't tell you how insulting that is because that assumes that you took me for a sucker. You think I got boo-boo the fool across my forehead, and that's just not the case, all right? I got no dog in a Big Ten fight. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. But I'm here to tell you, I watched like you watch Michigan State run back and beat down the Wolverines back-to-back years. Okay? Mel Tucker's up for a Coach of the Year honor. Probably won't win it, but that is how good they have been. And yet this committee for the second straight week continues to tell us that head-to-head matters when we say it matters. Because head-to-head matters that Oregon went to Ohio State and got a W. But it doesn't matter that Michigan State beat Michigan in East Lansing. I'm, t- I'm saying, dog, like, you can't have it both ways. Make your protocol, stick your protocol. You're going to get drugged right now because you are the proverbial emperor who is naked. Okay? For those of y'all that don't get that idiom, the man really liked having clothes. Okay? And he kept having clothes until he thought the fashionable thing to do was to start, walk around stark raving naked, and he didn't have enough people on his team to tell him, yo, emperor, you widen all off sides. You probably should have some clothes on. No. He had a bunch of yes men who would allow such a thing, who would allow the emperor himself to gaslight himself, which I got to tell you is a neat trick that I hope nobody ever else tries to perform. This is awful. Rank Michigan State ahead of Michigan in the sixth spot. It doesn't really matter that much because Ohio State has to play both of them in the last two weeks of the season for them. But it matters today because the rankings matter today. Otherwise, why put the rankings out at all? You get what I'm saying here? All right. Number eight, we got Notre Dame. They're 9-1. and one. That means that of these teams not called Michigan or Michigan State, honestly, they have the best chance of making the college football playoff based on these rankings and I don't want to see Notre Dame in the playoff any more than y'all want to see Oklahoma in the playoff, right? For the same reasons that y'all didn't want to see Oklahoma in the playoff. I want a four team that hasn't been there if we're all in agreement that the four team is probably going to get drug by the number one team because it's really been like that more or less since the inception of the college football playoff in 2014. Number nine, we got Oklahoma State, who is built a lot like Wisconsin. I agree with that. Jalen Warren comes from Utah State where he rushed for 855 yards total to just leading the team and rushing it, also being their dude. Like, some of y'all will know. I got my thing with Oklahoma State, but it's a good football team. They play outstanding defense. They are committed to running the ball. Spencer Sanders, when he is not forced 
into third and long situations has actually been pretty good. Charlie Dickey and that offensive line are about something, and they just don't get any respect because they're not a blue blood brand name program. We haven't talked about an Oklahoma State being this good since 2011, 10 years ago when they were an Iowa State win away from playing quite literally in the national championship. They need a loss out of Ohio State or Oregon or Bama, Cincinnati, to, to get this done, quite honestly. They need four teams in front of them to lose, and one of those probably has to be Notre Dame, but I don't see a loss for Notre Dame either. They're probably going to end up with another New Year's Six Bowl and with a really great one-loss season to what is right now an undefeated Cincinnati. Okay. Let's talk about Wake Forest, Baylor, Ole Miss. I don't think that Wake Forest is a better football team than Baylor. However, I do agree they should be ranked ahead of Baylor because they have the one loss and Baylor has the two. I understand Baylor looks like a better football team and beat a previously, no matter how shaky, 9-0 Oklahoma team. That ought to matter, right? We're talking about their first win against Oklahoma since 2014. I remember being at that game. That was not a lot of fun. I watched Sterling Shepard get manhandled in that game. It was that long ago. I was covering the team. But Dave Aranda has something going on down there at Waco. I really enjoy watching them run the ball and play outstanding defense. Dave Aranda has Lincoln Riley's number. We'll talk about it in a little bit. I'm here for the respect you want to put on Ole Miss. I'm not here for them being number 12, right? I, I think that we could have a better discussion about perhaps UTSA or Utah, or not even Utah, or uh, Houston, right? Let's get a one-loss team in this spot, okay? Oklahoma at 13. This is the part where I lay the obvious joke of I am really shocked that Oklahoma <laughs> was ranked at all because when you got a 9-0 team that plays at a Power 5 conference that has won that conference six times in a row that you put in the playoff, you know, four times, five years, six years, excuse me, yeah, you tend to think you would give them a little bit more of a higher ranking, especially as there weren't that many undefeated teams left. But they were at 8 last week. Now they're at 13, such as it is. I have Oklahoma fans that are losing their minds, talking about we need to overhaul the entire team. We need Lincoln Riley to get an offensive coordinator, which is ridiculous on its face. We're having to deal with these rumors of an LSU job. I'm thinking, how spoiled are Oklahoma fans in that the first loss of the season— they want to blow up everything. I'm not that arrogant, okay? And I didn't even live through the 90s. And I'm sure that there are a bunch of grown folks, a bunch of gen, what is it? What, do you, what are the old folks called? They're not Zs. They're Xs. Bunch of Gen Xers who are like, y'all don't remember John Blake, do y'all? Y'all don't remember Howard Schnellenberger. Y'all don't remember Gary Gibbs, who, by the way, was a really good football coach. I don't have to. I have had 20-plus years of sustained excellence, okay? It's nice to be upper middle class, all right? I want to be wealthy, okay? I want to have a golden parachute, okay? I want to live in Beverly Hills, but you know what? I'm just fine living in Century City, okay? That's for my L.A. brethren. It's fine, okay? I like being upper middle class. I would like to reach for more. I'm about upward mobility like everybody else. But I'm not about to sit here and tell you that Oklahoma's a bad football team or that they need to blow up everything because they lost a game to Baylor. Now, make all the jokes you want because this is a joke-heavy show. Like, I, there's a rule here. The rule is if you get roasted, or excuse me, if you get toasted, you get roasted, all right? That's what we do here. We have a good time because it's football, it's sports. Still think that winning ought to matter. 
Number 14, BYU. I mean, I fine, but I don't know about Wisconsin there any more than I know about Texas A&M there because I'm looking at Arkansas ranked here, and I see Arkansas got a W against Texas A&M, and they got the same record as Texas A&M. So I would really like to know about this disparity between number 16 and number 21. I tend to believe Arkansas is getting punched in the face because Texas is on its worst losing streak since 1956. That ain't Arkansas's fault, baby, okay? I realize that you want to tell us that the Texas A&M win against Alabama means more than an Arkansas win against A&M. I get that. But Arkansas did beat A&M, and head-to-head is in your criteria. Beating a previously undefeated and previously unranked, quite honestly, when they beat them according to the playoff team in Alabama, shouldn't rate. Because y'all are all fond of, hey, we shouldn't have rankings before November. Preseason rankings should be thrown out. This would be your way of saying, hey, look, um, maybe, maybe the head-to-head ought to matter. And then we'll wait to see about this Alabama thing. Now, Arkansas gets an opportunity to go get one against Alabama, which would be tremendous and really cool. I'll wait to see if they can actually do that. But I, I'm with them. I think that they should be where Texas A&M is, and Texas A&M should be where they are at, all right? San Diego State, I'm fine with. Pitt, we'll deal with. It's fine. All right. I want to talk about UTSA at number 22. Many of you who are fans of the show and troll the show, I troll, by troll I just mean uh, like troll, not, not T-R-O-L, but T-R-A-W-L, like you're looking for new content on the show. Um, you saw the interview I did with Jeff Trailer, head coach at UTSA, and I want to get to that. But first I want to say they're 10-0. It's real difficult to win football games, and I'm not so arrogant as to believe that you will win Every football game you play, I don't care how bad the football team that you're playing seems to be, okay? Jeff Trailer had to talk about beating Southern Miss last Saturday. At the time, Southern Miss was 1-8. They're 1-9 now. But it was ugly. They had to come from behind double digits, and they needed to go beat my mama's Golden Eagles, okay? The only person that wasn't excited about that was probably my mama, who is a Golden Eagles alumnus. I grew up in Hattiesburg before spending the rest of my life in Tulsa, right? But what I'm getting at here is they're having a magic season. Just like Cincinnati's having a magic season. Just like Georgia's having a magic season. And I think magic seasons need to be respected by us all. Which is why I would rank them in the top four. But that's also me. I don't see how you can rank this team outside the top ten. And it 100% matters. Because as I'm looking at these rankings here, I got one group of five team. I got two group of five teams. BYU fans, I don't care what you think. You're a group of five team as far as these rankings are concerned. Three group of five teams. Ranked ahead of UTSA, right? San Diego State, BYU, Cincinnati. The reason that that matters is because the Roadrunners would need to leap all of those teams if Cincinnati took an L as an undefeated team to get into a thing called a New Year's Six Bowl. And that matters. You know why that matters? Money at the start, right? You get paid a lot of money for playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. That's why a group of five teams want to play in New Year's Six Bowls because they're worth a lot of money. Okay, that's one. The second is, respect their gangster. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care if it's the Conference USA. I don't care if it's the whack. I don't care if it's the wiggity whack. Being 10-0 and 0 needs to matter. And then when they go and beat UAB, if they go and beat UAB, y'all are going to look at that and be like, oh, they beat the three-time defending conference champs. Come on, man. Like, 
There's nothing else they can do. And in this way, they're kind of in the same boat as a Luke Fickle and a Cincinnati. They have to just continue to win and plead their case. But many of you also understand your boy is a proponent of the 16-team playoff. And we got a special treat for you about that a little bit later. But first, I want you to hear from Jeff Trailer your argument about, hey, Alabama would put 35 on UATSA. Here's what Jeff Trailer would say to that. Coach, one of the things that I'm passionate about in particular is the expansion of the playoff, not to six, not to eight, not to 12, but to 16, because I believe in that you get all 10 conference champions into the playoff and then you're six at large bursts. I wonder, not just being the head coach at UTSA, but having participated in Texas high school football playoffs, which can last three months, what do you think about the expansion of the playoff and whether or not your kids deserve an opportunity to play for a national championship? Well, it's, it's America, right? It's USA. I mean, we, the 1980 hockey story. I mean, you know, Rocky Balboa. Uh, why, why do we watch March Madness? Uh, we all had that dream, right? It's what America was. We're the underdog. And uh, let's play it out on the field. Let's don't argue about it. Let's play it out and let it go. Now, I do understand but the college athlete, we need to respect that. They're, they're here to get a degree. And we will, only a few of them are going to play in the National Football League. So if we can do that and not play a tremendous amount of games and get that done, you know, somewhere near their semester, I'd be all for that. Uh, but, um, you know, I just think it's the right thing to do. And uh, so I get tired of arguing about it. Let's play it out. Let's play it out and see how that turns out. Uh, amen, Coach. As a matter of fact, to that sort of point, one of the things that I argue uh, is that a win is a win. Like, it doesn't matter if you end, uh, win by a point or by 100 points. Did you win or did you not? And I appreciated the way that you addressed winning in that win against Southern Miss, which incidentally is my mother's alma mater, so she didn't take it as kindly as I did. But – I wonder if you would elaborate on that point about how there are no ugly wins. There's only, did you win? Well, there's just, it's, it's just, it's a shame that we talk about style points. Mm. Um, it just shouldn't be that way. And I understand it. I, I understand it. I don't mind the questions of an ugly win, uh, but when that just shows you how modern we've gotten, I mean, old school football, when you played great defense and you punted and covered your kicks and you kicked off and you covered your kicks and you didn't have a lot of penalties. Those were pretty wins back in the day. I mean, 10 to 7, 9 to 6, 17, 13. Nobody griped about that back in the day. And I've been coaching now for 32 years. So these style points just came up lately because the rules are all made for offense, right? They're all made for points and style points. So I'm just not – I've been that guy before. When I first started at Gilmer, I, we weren't very good. And I had guys that could have ran it up on me and some guys that did run it up on me. Uh, and that's okay. I can't control that. Uh, but we're going to take a knee when you're supposed to take a knee. Uh, I wasn't sure Will was going to call his timeouts the other day. So we ran the ball and we got down there. I could tell Will wasn't going to use his timeouts. So when he did that, I was going to take a knee and get out of there. I'll be devil's advocate. What if I would have handed the ball to Sincere and he would have gotten hurt? Mm -hmm. I mean, what would, what would somebody have said then? What if my center would have gotten hurt at that moment? So mm -hmm. I just don't believe in that. And if we're not smart enough to understand what a head coach is doing, to take a knee at the end of the game and we're going to penalize them, uh, I don't know that we're ever going to be able to crown the champion off the field. That's what, back to your point. Let's play it out, and then we can decide. Coach, when I talk to you, I, I sound sane, right? Like, I, it feels like we're speaking the same language here, and yet I can't get enough people to see the sense in what we're talking about. But, again, I'm an underdog. I like to think of myself as a G5 school, and 
how I get to do this job that I'm doing right now. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Jeff Trailer said a lot there in about three minutes, but I want to unpack it because I believe that he makes points that one, you've heard me make right here on the number one ranked show. And two, I think many of you would feel validated by. So the first one, when he referenced the 1980 United States men's hockey team, okay? A bunch of students showed up at Lake Placid against what was the world's greatest hockey team in a tournament among the world's greatest hockey teams and went and got a W. We all know the call. Al Michaels got out here and said, do you believe in miracles? Yes, that is what we're rooting for, okay? If UTSA were somehow put into a playoff game against Alabama and then went and got a W and then were able to finish it like the U.S. men's hockey team and go get a national championship, it would be one of the most memorable sporting events of all time because nobody would have expected them to do it. We live for this stuff. You've heard me reference UMBC and Virginia, the first 16 seed to knock off a number one seed. What happened the next year? Virginia said, okay, let me show y'all what's really good. But we remember the 16 seed doing what they did. We love this stuff, man. We love seeing a backup quarterback lead the Philadelphia Eagles to a Super Bowl, running the Sooner special to seal the deal. We love that stuff. Another point that he made that I really think is underrated he doesn't want to run up the score, and he doesn't want to risk his players getting hurt. He talked about football in its purest form. Did we cover kicks? Did we tackle? Did we play a clean football game with little laundry on the field? Did we run hard? Did we play to the whistle? Did we show good sportsmanship, which I know y'all are all into, but I'm not really. I think that if you get toasted, you get roasted. But that's not who Jeff Trailer is. And I add this for you, for the folks that didn't get to watch this interview. Jeff Trailer has been coaching football two, young, two years short of how long I've been alive, right? It's a long time. But he's been coaching football long enough that when I was a student at the University of Tulsa, there was a quarterback that transferred in who was all smiles, who was jovial in nature, and who really wanted to play in this offense that was coordinated by Gus Malzahn. His name is G.J. Kinney. G.J. Kinney came from Gilmer, Texas, where Jeff Trailer was the coach. And it wasn't easy for him to come out of Gilmer, even transferring in. It was a headache and a heartache. And yet that dude showed up and finishes one of the greatest Texas high school quarterbacks of all time. And he has since played professional football and is the offensive coordinator at Central Florida. What I'm saying is he's also raising really good dudes, all right? Like GJ's wife, Summer, is on the cheerleading squad with me, right? I got to know them. And I got to speak to what kind of a person he is and who the people are in his life. So to know that a guy like Jeff Trailer helped give us a quality coach and a quality man like G.J. Kenny means the world to me. And he's doing it again. Sincere McCormick is that dude. Story that Trailer related about Sincere McCormick, who is his star player, tailback, is not, about not wanting to take reps away from the rest of the guys on the team. And probably gave up the Russian title last year because he didn't want to do that. Going to the spring ball earlier this year, he and others gave up their numbers so that they could earn them back. Now, I don't know about you, but my number is like my name. I think of it as my identity. It belongs to me. I don't want to give it up for nothing or nada. It's the reason why you hear these stories about what Tom Brady is willing to do to get that number 12, 
right? Whether or not Odell was going to wear number 13 or number three at LA, because those things matter. And yet these dudes were willing to give those up so that other guys could compete with them for perhaps a number that they wanted. That is the kind of culture that he has helped to build in a very short amount of time, getting hired in December 2019 and heading into a pandemic and then still coming out with a team that's ready to do this. They're on their way up just 10 years after starting the football program. One more thing I want to reference in regard to Coach Trailer, who is fast becoming one of my favorites. He recruits his local area and recruits it hard. He's very proud of that. He believes that he can get half of his roster coming from the 210 area code. And those of you that have watched this show and watched me for some time know I believe every great football team has at its backbone dudes that are from the area, our kids, my kids is the way that I refer to them in the state of Oklahoma, particularly in the Tulsa Metro. We all believe our kids can go play ball and that our kids playing ball at home means that much more because they grew up around it. They were raised around it. They're playing for more than just themselves and their teammates. They're playing for their family in the stands every other home game. It matters. It's another immeasurable that we get to count. To know that you're able to build that sort of program in this day and age is remarkable to me. That they have a chance to be 11-0 on Sunday is remarkable to me. I don't understand why we do not root for that because when we talk about what college football isn't, and I'm good at that, we could talk about Alabama getting all the five stars, putting together the best recruiting class of all time. Or we could talk about what it is, which is a guy like Jeff Trailer, who has decided to sign a 10-year extension because he feels he was led to UTSA. Because in his word, he's convicted to the place. He feels a level of conviction. And I say this about conviction. You got to have experience to have conviction. And you can't have one without having one. He's got experience, man. He coached at Texas. He coached at Arkansas. He coached at SMU. Got a shot at UTSA, and he's been coaching his butt off since getting it. I love winning. It means the world to me because it's so hard to do, right? I always say that the people that don't want to talk about the record are the people who are losers. And I mean that sometimes as a pejorative, but I also want to highlight you're stumping for a team that hasn't done what this other team has done. Are we about fairness, right? Or are we about what you think? Because the one thing I really love about sports is that it was supposed to be fair. It meant that if you line up, you go play, right? That, that's it. Who cares what your record is when you're playing football? If I beat you, I beat you. Sportsmanship is admitting that I beat you, okay? That's why I'm a big fan of a thing called a 16-team college football playoff, okay? One of the cool things we get to do right now it is show you what that would look like based on the college football playoffs rankings. And, and look at this. Isn't it gorgeous? This is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Now, when I was trying to put this together with Producer Cat, and shout out graphic designer Danny DeVito for putting this like in a graphical form so that everybody can see it, I went back and forth about wanting to do something like the NFL, right, where you have a buy for perhaps your top-rated teams, your top four teams, and then you have like basically wild-card games, but – this was an easier way for you to visualize, right? One in 16, Georgia A&M. That's a good football game, right? Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, that's a good football game. Cincinnati Ole Miss, I'd watch the hell out of that. What we got? I, let me see, Ohio State and I can't see my seven team. I think that's Michigan State. No? Number four, number 12. I can't read it. Let me look at who I got at number 12. 
Miss. And Cincinnati is 512. And then I got Ohio State at four playing. What is that? Can't get to it. Anyway. Uh, Oklahoma. Holy crap. How did I miss that? Um, oh, we got a little, there's a little bug here that makes it difficult because I probably would have picked that one out from the jump. Give me 2017 all over again, baby. Do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They went 2016. They got theirs. Went 2017. We got ours. That is the RJ Young Bowl right there. Ohio State, Oklahoma. Funny, that's the one. Number two, Alabama versus 15, Wisconsin. Wisconsin could play ball control and defense. Who wouldn't want to see, see Jim Leonard up against that Alabama offense, Bill O'Brien? Michigan State, Wake Forest. I'm here for it because Kenneth Walker III was a Demon Deacon last year. Holy smokes, man. That'd be awesome. Then we got Michigan Baylor. Defense on defense, baby. Two running football teams with two tailbacks apiece that can run you over? I would love to see Abram Smith and Treston Ebner against that Michigan defense. I would love to see Blake Corum and Hassan Haxtons against that Dave Aranda defense. That'd be amazing. And then Oregon-BYU. We got a good old-fashioned pseudo-Pac-12 grudge match, right? I would love that. And we get to see who's who. Now, the only thing that I have a problem with here is obviously you're leaving out team I was waxing poetic about just a second ago in UTSA. That is why I would tell you this is based on the college football playoffs rankings tonight. What I would love to see is the 10 conference champions get automatic bids to the playoff. And then you have your six at-large bursts. So your Notre Dame, who is in an entanglement, in an open marriage with the ACC, would still have a way of getting in. Okay? You could also put in your runner-up in your conference championship, right? Like a Wisconsin, if that's what you wanted to do. In 16-team playoff, every team that deserves to be in would get in. And I'm a big fan of fairness because I don't want to see a bunch of group of five teams having to hound each other from different conferences about who should get that spot. I don't think that's fair. I want to take this out of the hands of the suits. I want to take this out of the hands of the voters. I want to put this back into the hands of the kids that are playing four years of football. That's it. That's all I got. I want their efforts to matter more than what you or I think. And that makes me an enemy of a lot of folks. Because I'm the dude who will say up and down, your opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion doesn't affect the scoreboard. Those kids who we ask to play this game for our entertainment, that's what affects the scoreboard. Why do you have anything to say at all? Quite honestly, aside from, man, what a good football team or a bad football team, but certainly not who's better. The kids decided that for us. And that's how they do it in literally every single other sport. I'm a big fan of the OU women's softball team. Okay? They'll play 60-plus games in a season. They still got to win the Big 12 championship. They still got to play an NCAA regional. They still got to play a super regional. They still got to play in the Women's College World Series. They have to earn it every step of the way, even as many of us believe every year they're going to be there. In the FCS, they have a 24-team playoff, and they're able to make that work with the kids' schedule. This is the other part about this conversation that I really get annoyed by. This idea that somehow playing four more games of football is going to hurt these student athletes, as people call them, I call them players. 
if you can get it done in the FCS where they play a 2014 playoff, and if you can get it done where Coach Trailer was in the Texas high school state playoffs, you can get it done in the FBS. College ain't that much different, okay? I went to college. It's fine. I could do it. I could do it, and I could do two other jobs. Busting tables, moving furniture, being a cheerleader, turning wrenches as a mechanic. Somehow, I was able to get my degree and run track as a walk-on, okay? I'm willing to bet that they will build in apparatuses that would allow for these dudes to play four more games of football a year and complete their studies. I'm willing to bet a bye week or two here and there, a bit of an earlier start to the season, a, you're getting rid of these trash football games with Alabama, New Mexico State, Oklahoma, Western Carolina, would do wonders for a 16-team playoff. It's amazing to me because I'm not really asking for much. We play a 14-team playoff in the NFL now. You know? What are we doing here? I don't like using the March Madness trope because you get to play more games over there. I also don't think we need 64 teams because we have conference championships. I also believe playing football is more taxing than playing basketball. But it's not so taxing that we can't have something like this where there's more inventory for you economists. There's a fairer way to decide a national champion. And we don't have to have any NCAA selectors anymore. You don't have to worry about me talking about the Sagrin ratings or the Kali Matrix. You don't have to hear me telling you UCF is also 2017 national champion. We have one tournament to rule them all. Like my man Sauron. Give me the one ring. Because the last thing that I would want as a fan of college football, but specifically as a national champion, is to have to say with a straight face, yeah, well, we aren't the only team that went undefeated. We would have beat them. No, just line them up. Let them play. What did Jeff Trailer say? This is America. Mm. Now, whether or not we can agree about whether fairness reigns supreme in this country, we can all agree that it should. And in college football, we have a chance to see that through. Come December, we need to see some moving and shaking on this expansion. Now, it might not get to 16, but it doggone can't stay at four. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the number one ranked show. Thank you to our sponsor, DirecTV Stream. Our lead producer is the awesome Kat Donnelly. Our director is John Marcus. Social media manager is JV on Duncan. Niles Owens is on the switches. That's Tyler Wojcik joining the team as an AP. Rachel Cohn is our head of screening. And our executive producer is Kristen Hurley. He, that is it for me. Doses. <laughs>